It's Tigers Talk with Memphis broadcasting legend Greg Gaston. Hear Greg weekday mornings on Sports 56 Mornings along with Eli Savoy from 7 to 10 right here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. On Twitter X at Greg underscore Gaston. Here's Greg with Bryant and Brett. Greg Gaston joining us from the Tigers' sidelines. You can also hear him every morning on the station with Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli. Greg, how you doing this afternoon? I'm doing pretty good, guys. Firing up. Biggie tomorrow, right? As big as yeah. it gets and almost the perfect summertime dream scenario. All the pontificating and W's and L's and what happens with this. This is almost the dream scenario. Played really well against Mizzou, just didn't win them. That's sports. Uh, Tulane played really well against Ole Miss, just didn't beat them. That happens, and that was without Michael Pratt. Now setting up for, I I think, an epic tomorrow night. It's probably where most people, maybe not all, but most people had the two teams sitting at 4-1 and going into this game. We penciled it. We circled it. We knew that this would be... If, team, if the teams did what they were supposed to do, we knew that this would be a huge matchup with a lot of implications. So no surprise that that is the situation here. The weather looks to be tremendous. Beautiful fall weather for football. We know what's on the line. Hopefully, even though it's a Friday night and there are some high school football games, there will be the biggest crowd of the season. The nationally televised game, you can't ask for more. Here we go. Here we go. In, a, in 24 hours, you can be very busy out at the stadium, aren't you? Yeah, I may need a walker on the sidelines coming off my operation, uh, but <laughs> hopefully I'll be, I'll be okay. So, yeah, I'm fired up for it. I, I know everybody else is in the city. Well, Greg, you, be careful. As I yeah. texted you last weekend, let's don't make let, let's don't make big out of small. Oh, I I understand completely. I'll I'll be very careful. But again, I wouldn't miss this for the world. That's why I scheduled my operation for last week during the bye week. I'm a team player. And hopefully, uh, I wouldn't be I'll chest bumping anybody tomorrow night. <laughs> <laughs> there, there will be no chest bumping, that's for sure. Greg, uh, how how important was that, or, or I guess how uh, perfect of a time, I guess you could say, did this bye week come for the Tigers after that emotional comeback win? You get in a 17-point hole, and then you have a blocked kick, you return it, that changed the momentum, you have to fight your way back and beat Boise State, and then in preparation for this Tulane game, could that bye week have come at a better spot? And and how uh, you know how great of a time did it come at? I guess we, we hope you're the only one on the team with stitches. I hope that's a great point, Brad. <laughs> well, a bye week is always welcome for the walking wounded. You guys know that, so I, I think it was a perfect time for the for the bye week. Most people have it scheduled right around the middle of the season. But you're going into the big game against Tulane. Obviously, Tulane's doing the same, and they have the bye week as well, which gives Michael Pratt some more time, even though he has returned, gives him more time to heal that knee. So I would think that most uh, that most teams in situations coming off bye weeks are a lot healthier than them when they went into the bye week. So to answer your question, Brian, I would say, yeah, it came at a very good time. 
When you look at this game, I know uh, we've been talking about Tulane and, and their run defense has been really, really good. If you throw out that last game against UAB two weeks ago, as they're also coming off a bye week, but you look at what they've done against Ole Miss. I know Brett was there for that game and, and really held the Rebels in check on the ground. Against SMU, they did the same. Against South Alabama, they did the exact same, really limiting opponents on the ground. How important will it be for the Tigers tomorrow night to try to establish that ground game early? Well, it's important, but it's not going to be easy. And right. if you're able to run the ball somewhat successfully, it opens things up for the passing game. So there's no question about it that you're going to try to establish it. But you just can't like keep continue to hit your head into a wall, right? Uh, we know mm-hmm. what the, the ramifications of that is. So there's going to be things that probably we haven't seen this year. Uh, there have been times this year that, that Memphis has gone to its bag of tricks, but for the most part, they've been pretty conservative, pretty consistent with their play calling, but this is one of those games where you may see things that you haven't seen. A lot more misdirection, trying to get to the edge and try to take advantage with your athleticism. Because if you're going up the middle and trying to go run between the tackles, again, you might be running into a wall. But they found something. UAB found something, at least in the first half of that game against Tulane, and I can guarantee you that the Tigers coaching staff have scoured that up and down to look at what they possibly can do. But I would imagine this is one of those uh, kitchen sink games, right? Everything do what he you uh, would, would want to see, right? You may be pulling out all those bag of tricks there from that big old bag. Yeah, and, and I think it's going to be a line of scrimmage game. And I, I like the improved Tiger offensive and defensive line. And I know Tulane's got good offensive and defensive lines. Yeah, it's a little scary. It, it, and you're right, because a lot of times games are decided in the trenches. So they were not, we're not uh, splitting the atom here. We're not breaking news. But that does concern me a bit because, that, again, as Brian said, that Tulane defensive line is awesome. You know it firsthand, Brett. You saw it when Ole Miss played. And Judkins, who's a great running back, one of the best in the country, he had trouble. So that, that's going to be real tough to, to win that battle. Hopefully the offensive line for Memphis, which has been pretty solid this year, will be able to hold its own. Flip it around. And you have the uh, the Memphis defensive line trying to get to Michael Pratt. That's going to be important as well. I thought they they have done a pretty good job so far this year to get some pressure on opposing quarterbacks. But with Pratt, how healthy is he to run the football? Uh, it looks like he'll be fine throwing the football. But again, that knee injury, and that could linger a little bit. He may be close to 100%, which is good news for Tulane. But let's say he's not. Will they want him? Will they have a lot of design quarterback draws and things of that nature, which usually they have for Michael Pratt, who runs the ball extremely well? Maybe not. So that's one of those deals where you want to get to him, but you have to contain him because if he gets out of containment, he can run for daylight. Michael Pratt with 76 all-time career touchdown passes. That's the most ever in Tulane. He passed Patrick Ramsey, with uh, who had 72. Sean King with 70 and, and, and miss those games. You talk, and back to the Ole Miss game, the only person on Ole Miss that could really run on them was Jackson Dart and, and kind of scrambles and run pass option stuff. Is Seth Hennigan up for that kind of game? Well, we saw, I think, shades of what Seth did last year and has done really minimal up to this point, but we saw a lot more of it in the win over Boise State. It was a really good all around game for Seth. And there were a lot of design runs for him, but also having to move when he was under duress. And I thought he was, there was no hesitation at all. There was no hesitation in his throwing. There was no hesitation in his running. 
So they're going to lead. They're going to need obviously a huge game from Steph Hannigan. But you're putting a lot in his hands against a really strong physical defense if he's running too much. So it's one of those damned if you do, damned if you don't. You know that he has been playing extremely well. That's what you want to continue to happen. But God forbid you don't want to get your guy out there and get banged up with a million totes. So you know, hopefully, as as Brian said, they establish something early with the running game. Although, again, that's going to be extremely difficult against this defense. Uh, Greg, we talked to Dave Wilotion earlier this week, and, and he pointed out kind of the secondary for the Tigers and, and some of those big play uh, balls they gave up against Boise State, especially early in the game. We, we know what Michael Pratt can bring with his arm. We know how he likes to push the ball downfield. And they've got some speed at, at receivers uh, this year on this team. Uh, how big of a, a point uh, are you going to make to be paying attention to this uh, secondary on Friday night, and how big of a matchup could that be uh, in tomorrow night's game? It's a big big assignment. Tulane's got solid wide receivers. I don't know if they have anybody as fast as what we saw with those Missouri receivers, oh, yeah. but they have good, solid receivers. The thing is, while Brady Cook is a very good quarterback for Mizzou, Michael Pratt is being looked at as a guy that will more than likely get drafted later rounds but he's a guy that I think could easily stick with a National Football League team. And the reason why, and the reason why is this guy anticipates. He anticipates where his receivers will be. So when we were talking to Matt Barnes, the Tigers' defensive coordinator, the other day, he said he hasn't seen anybody like it on the schedule this year where a receiver turns around when he makes his cut and the ball is there. And so they are used to now uh, being ready for that. Uh, it took a little while to find that relationship. But Michael Pratt now, he puts the ball before the turn is made, and when they look up, that ball is on him. His anticipation is phenomenal. He can thread it into little spots where other quarterbacks can't because he has phenomenal instincts and a great arm. But those receivers are used to that. So that puts your defensive secondary in a bind time at, at times because there, there's not much time to react. The reactionary time is very minimal because the ball is there when you both are turning, and of course for a defensive back to be successful, they better turn and look back at the ball, but that ball is already there to the receivers. That's the scary part about Michael Pratt. Yeah, and I, I like their tight end. Alex Bowman kind of is a safety yep. valve guy, and, and you're, you're right about Pratt. The ball is right there on time every time. Yeah, the tight end is something that has been a problem defending for a lot of teams. Not It is cross football. Isn't it? It just seems like those tight ends go up the seam and they are absolutely wide open. And it's something that Memphis has not been able to take advantage of this year. We've talked so much about losing Caden Prescorn to Ole Miss. That was a big-time guy who I think will have a great chance to play in the NFL. Uh, Anthony Lanfear has done an okay job, an admirable job, but he is not this big breakaway tight end that we have seen over the years for Memphis, especially in the last 10 years. And I think he has good hands where if they have to go to him, he's available, but he's not going to be the guy running uh, by himself down the seam for 40, 50, 60 yards and a touchdown. And so they're missing that guy, whereas Tulane has them. Other guys they, or other teams they have played on the schedule have those tight ends. They're a, uh, a safety, not just a safety valve, they're, they're a security blanket for quarterbacks because they all keep those drives go. going. Yes, they do. You, you, you need seven, they get nine. You need eleven, they get thirteen. They they <laughs> yes, really they are. Where, 
They're the bailout guy. And and then if you have a a, a guy that's a a good, consistent in-line blocker and committed to it, it it helps in the run game. Talking Tigers football with Greg Gaston from the Tigers sideline. It's brought to you every week by the offices of Stephen Leffler, Neil's Bar and Grill, Mount Moriah Auto Sales, and Chet Witsit, your cry-like realtor. Greg, tomorrow night, what – if the Tigers had to get in a low 20s game or a make-it-take-it game, which one's better for the Memphis Tigers? I don't like a low-scoring game. I, I, re- I really don't. You want now, a rat race? Yeah. I mean, close either way, right? If it's close low-scoring mm-hmm. or it's close high-scoring, that's fine. But I think they have a better chance to come out victorious in a rat race. Um, I think if they're struggling to score the football, then it really puts the onus on not – turning the ball over and if you have one turnover maybe two turnovers you're you're in uh, it could be a doomsday scenario now it could work for Tulane obviously Memphis has done a good job they've been ball hawks they've been good in recovering fumbles forcing fumbles so again don't don't get me wrong I mean this is certainly a game that is winnable for Memphis and they can cause Tulane to make those mistakes but again I just thinking out loud I like the Tigers more in a in a shootout because then you feel good that you're all right. If it's a shootout, you're scoring on that. Mm-hmm. So you feel good that you can get up and down the field. If it's just a defensive battle, I don't know. I still think Tulane can win the line of scrimmage. They can win with their physicality. They can win with their big-time quarterback. Greg, uh, the Tigers have been without their top two kickers the past uh, two games, and, and I think you can look at both of those games and, and see uh, moments in those games where maybe the Tigers could have settled with a field goal and opted to go for it, um, even though Tanner Gillis, I thought, have, has done a really good job in those opportunities. What have you heard this week about uh, the availability of either of those kickers? Morgan's not going to play. Vandenberg may be able to play. But right now, I would think after the last two games using Gillis, that Coach Silverfield will go with Gillis again. Yeah. They're confident with his with his short kicks. But for the long kicks, it does bring up that scenario, depending on uh, the situation in the game, on whether or not to take a shot, because he doesn't have this huge leg, although he's done a nice job with kickoffs. But when you think about it, the other kickers are new. Gillis was actually around the team mm-hmm. last year. At least he was here. Those guys are new, and I don't, I don't know if, through the first few games, you really know exactly how far they could kick it. And, and it was Morgan to start the year. Vandenberg was the guy who was doing the kickoffs. I think Gillis has done an admirable job. But I, I would look for Gillis, possibly if it was a long field goal try that they had to have, and Vandenberg was, was healthy because of his bigger leg, he may attempt that. Ryan Silverfield with you guys yesterday morning. And he's 25-17 and 17 as head coach of the Memphis Tigers. This clearly would be his biggest win, wouldn't it? Yeah, there's a lot of debate going on. What, what, what is his biggest game so far? I think with all the implications, with everything that's on the line, the position you are, and the timing of this as well. Because you're in the middle of the season. The last thing you want to do is go into this game at home, national TV, get beat up, get beat bad, look bad in doing so, and then you kind of lose a lot of the fans, at least you know the, the diehards will be there. But you know what I'm saying. The, the yeah. fringe fans will be like, ah, it's basketball season. So it's a, it's a really important game for Coach Silverville. He knows it. And even if the Tigers play tooth and nail and lose the game, they're still not out of it. So I hope people take that into consideration when they look at the future. But if you want more people – figuring out what's going on over there at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium for the remainder of the season in the home games, and you want them to come aboard the choo-choo train, 
Well, a win tomorrow night could go a very long way in doing so because we know what's at stake. All the fans want to see is this team competing for a conference championship game. Bowl games are fantastic, don't get me wrong, but I think people have become accustomed. When you go nine straight years, uh, you know that that's bare minimum. So this is an extremely important game for Ryan, for that staff, and for those players, and they know it. They don't need to be reminded of it. And, Greg, it feels like the first of two meetings with Tulane, and this may decide where the second meeting will be. This is this was for a two-game lead for home field advantage for AAC championship game. Right. They could meet in the end again. That's certainly a possibility. The big one tonight with SMU playing East Carolina, as they, they're kind of hovering around. They're a very capable team that comes to Memphis, so the Tigers get them at home. And there's a couple of other teams that could make some noise and even if they don't make the conference championship, could be factors in deciding. I like the way UAB has been playing. Uh, There's always that possibility that UTSA, with a healthy Frank Harris, uh, can beat anybody in the conference. But, yeah, I mean, this is the the importance of this game. It's not the end-all, be-all. Again, it doesn't mean you're going to the conference championship if you win or not going if you lose. But I think people understand the ramifications of this game. Uh, Greg, I want to switch gears uh, a little bit before we let you go and, and talk some basketball with you as uh, it's quickly approaching. And uh, what did you make, uh, I guess, two days ago now of uh, the Mikey Williams news that uh, his tr- uh, his case will now be uh, moved to an actual trial? Uh, it's, I mean, that, that chance of him even being here this year is completely gone out the window, I'm guessing now. But, but what did you make of that news? Well, first I thought, about time. Finally, they got yeah. a preliminary hearing for all those parties involved. I don't have a dog in the fight, but it's like you want to move on with the justice system. You knew this case wasn't going to get dropped. It's just too serious of a case. So mm-hmm. he's going to have to face trial, and there's going to be probably a lot of curveballs and a lot going on. But as far as him playing at the University of Memphis this season, that's not happening. No. Is there a chance in the future for next year? Maybe. But, again, depending on how that trial goes and, and the outcome, there's a lot in that man's life that he's got to worry about more right now than, than playing basketball. Absolutely. So uh, not surprised whatsoever. I, I, guess, I guess I'm a little surprised that they finally had the preliminary hearing. <laughs> it, it, it has moved slowly. I guess they're all getting paid by the hour. Well, I know they are. They're, they're, they're attorneys. Uh, and I, I don't want to run attorneys down. you got an attorney in your household that you, you paid for a, a great law degree. Uh, but, That's right. But, but Greg, it, it has moved really slow, and it feels like I, I, I'm, I'm not – I didn't watch L.A. Law when it was a popular TV show either, but I, I have read Scott Turow and John Grisham. It feels like that that prosecutor, just he would not take any deal. Exactly. And, again, what, what deal are, are you going to take here? I mean, the, the guy fired five shots into a car where people were in. You're, you're going a, to trial. It wasn't an empty car here. Uh, it would be nothing short of a miracle if all of a sudden five different people said, yeah, we're going to drop the charges. And they know the kid's got money. I mean, that kid's got money right now before he's even stepped on the court as a professional, let alone a collegiate player. So, yeah, nothing nothing is surprising about that case. Nothing will surprise me. I, I think in his heart of hearts, Penny Hardaway understood the situation, but I give him a lot of credit because he is loyal. It, 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 to loyal to a fault in some regards, but not in this situation. I, I thought what he did was the proper thing to do. Kept the kid on board as far as a, a member with that scholarship. But just, it's not going to happen. So I, I the have one no I'm criticism of Coach Hardway in this. None. No, no. And, and if there's any, it's, 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 it's not warranted. The other thing is, the, the more important Williams is, is DeAndre. And that thing is lingering. And, and I'm starting to, 
Well, not starting. I, I really feel that that's not going to happen either. But with that said, with that roster that they have assembled, even without the Williams boys, this is a really strong team, and I'm looking forward to the basketball season. Yeah, definitely. Well, well, going to some more positive news, I guess, on on the basketball front. We did have AAC Media Days earlier this week, uh, a couple Tigers on the first and second team, but what really caught my eye was J.J. Taylor and Carl Sharonfont <laughs> as the co-rookies of the year, preseason co-rookies of the year. I know y'all had uh, Carl Sharonfont on your show uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, what do you make of this? I know the talk here locally, it seems like, is how are you going to find enough playing time for these young guys? What do you think about both of these two guys and the fact that they were voted uh, co-rookies of the year? Well, a couple things come to mind. And Sharon Font, by the way, was fantastic on our show. Well-spoken young man, very confident in himself. I love the kid. I haven't had a chance to talk to J.J. Taylor, but he's very talented as well. A couple things come to mind right off the bat. Number one, what other freshmen are there in the, That's a good in point. the conference <laughs> where you got two on the same team that may not get playing time are picked to be players? That's crazy. Got to duke it out against each other. Number two, you might as well have thrown Ashton Hardaway's name right. on there. That's a guy who actually could get more playing time than those other two and could be more of a factor if his three-point shooting lives up to advanced billing. So that also jumped out at me. The other thing is that you know it's kind of cool to have those names on there, but only one first-teamer, only one second-teamer, maybe a little bit surprising. Uh, and as far as the predictions by the coaches for the conference, it's exactly what I thought and probably you guys thought sure. as well. You got to give Florida Atlantic their due. They have most of their guys back. They went to the Final Four for goodness sakes, and then Memphis sitting there at number two. And then after that, it's forget about it mm-hmm. because this conference, basketball wise, is bad. Other than what you have at the top, it is not a good conference. This is one of those deals where the Tigers play such a formidable non-conference schedule that you hope number one they're not beaten down by that when they play a conference game against one of these inferior teams where they're not up for it, or number two, they're just bored out of their mind going to one of those games and lose a bad game because Memphis and Florida Atlantic should ride roughshod over that whole con. You know, we're about three weeks away from having to go through all that schedule right. with those W's and L's. And I, I'm, I'm having a, I, I did a, a, a light walkthrough earlier uh, this week mm-hmm. on, on, on the schedule when the rest of the TV times came out. And I just can't go any lower than 14 and 4 in conference. Oh, gosh, no. I mean, I haven't done that. You're always ahead of the grade, Brett. So doing, doing it before all of us, I'll look at it, but I, I don't know. I don't see four losses in that conference. I really do not. As, as talented as this team is, as deep as this team is, now, as long as there's no um, problems as far as within, as far as the chemistry and things of that nature, because there are so many talented players that certainly all. They're all going to want theirs, but hopefully in a team-oriented way, not in an in a individual selfish way. But, I, yeah, I don't see four off the, off, off the bat. I'm going to have to cherry-pick and really go loss hunting for three. <laughs> no, I, I agree. This, this is a, a really talented team that I think can only be derailed by themselves. Yeah, I think so. Well, uh, Greg, thanks so much for joining us. Enjoy tomorrow night. Uh, take care. Be careful out there, be and careful. Uh, we'll do it again next Thursday. Thanks a lot, guys. I think it's going to be a lot of fun tomorrow night over at Simmons. We, we don't want to see we'll you at the bottom of any dog piles tomorrow <laughs> no, night. No, 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 no. I'm staying away from everything. Thank Thanks, you, Greg. Greg.
Greg Greg Aston with us every Thursday talking Tigers football and Tigers basketball, and it is building about twenty four and a half hours before kickoff out at the stadium at the fairgrounds. Hope it's a big fun scene tomorrow for tailgating and for the game tomorrow night. Hewlett and Dunn, Boot and Jean on the historic square in Collierville. They've been there since nineteen sixty one, and they're the title sponsor of this hour every day, and we so appreciate it. Charles Hall he started working there in his teens, and now with his wife Laura, what a team they are. They own the place, known for all the boots, but so much more. Accessories, clothing, cap for any team, for any season, all the luggage, all the different things coming up for the holiday season that you'll just love. You've got to go by and visit. you got to go by and say hello. Western wear, work boots, safety toe or soft toe, rubber boots, boots for every occasion at Hewlett and Dunn in Collierville. There will be a lot of those boots out on display tomorrow and tomorrow night at the Tigers game in a long Tiger lane. From head to toe, they have you covered with every brand imaginable dan post anderson bean Ariat. whether for men or women they have you covered men's and women's clothing pants jeans shirts shorts outerwear and the best duckhead collection you'll find anywhere charles and laura hall they invite you to 111 north center street or you can go to hewlettdunn.com but they'd rather you come by and visit them on the square in collierville hats boot care products sunglasses and every area team snapback cool hats you can think of they sure will be prominently on display tomorrow night all those tigers hats mississippi state tennessee the razorbacks old miss as well and for travel the bag selection it is top shelf hewlettanddone.com go by and visit them on the square in collierville say hello at 111 north center street on that historic square in collierville at hewlett and dunn boot and jean Let's go ahead and get to a break, and when we come back, we'll talk about what's trending. Join the voice of the Tigers, Dave Woloshin, for Wolo and Friends. Weekday mornings from 10 to 11, here on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn, Boot & Jean Company in Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. back into sports time we got about uh, about 30 minutes left in today's show as uh brett can you feel the energy building for tomorrow night um I can't. I it's almost game day i thought we would all week and you'll really feel it tomorrow you know i would prefer it on the day for Absolutely. college football on saturday but it's not we knew it from when the schedule came out now on the day for college football on saturday huh. I'm seeing from the College Game Day Twitter site, Guest yeah. Picker in Seattle, and th- this is one where, all, all joking aside about his age and condition, for Coach Lee Corso, for them to go live at 8 o'clock oh, man. Central Time Saturday uh-huh. morning. Oh, jeez. You know what time that is in Seattle? At 6. It's it's at uh, it's 6, yeah. He's at make-up, he's at uh-huh. wake-up at call. Like if, if he's going to, I mean. to do the show... At three or four in the morning, and and that that's oh. what I've said as much as as harsh as I've been about it, and I have not been the mo, the most harsh I've been about it is for him if something happened, and the the liability, the exposure, the criticism it would come of 
Y'all did this to him, you know, uh-huh. for for ratings. Yeah. Y'all did it. Now I know he wants to be there, and he's te- he would tell them if he couldn't. But that is that's more than bright and early. That that would that could be rough for him. It really could be. Um, I mean, that's an early morning. I, I remember, obviously, I've only been to College Game Day once when it was here in Memphis, and it was an early morning then, and that is not... You got to Beale Street at what time? I got to Beale Street at uh, 2 o'clock in the morning. You did? 3 o'clock in the morning? Yeah, something like that. It was an early morning. Uh, I think 3. And, and they started rolling there, at 8. And, and they started rolling at 8, and you started seeing people from ESPN at about... Five or six. I mean, and, he, uh, he hits the stage about an hour out. Yeah. Well. So he's hitting a stage in Seattle, Washington at 7 Central. That's that's 5 that's their time. 5 their time. It's easy. It's an easy 2.30, 3 o'clock wake-up call. Easy. That, 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 easy. That's hard to do. That, that's hard to do for anybody. But guest picker's going to be. Remember last year when I had the ugly generational – Divide and had no clue uh-huh. of Jack Harlow. Was oh, that yeah, it? Jack Harlow. Oh, Jack Harlow was at the game for Louisville against Notre Dame this past weekend. Stormed the field with all the students. He it was did? a great scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. My man Jack. Still don't know who he is. <laughs> Need to know who I am. <laughs> no, that's a good point. Joel McHale. Oh, yeah. Guest picker. Uh huh. Absolutely. Tell me who he is. Uh, he is a, he is a, uh, a, an actor, mainly uh comedian actor, I guess you could say. I don't know if Should he does like, stand up. Uh, think less of me for now. I don't because I, when I saw him, I, when you started talking about it, I went to see who it was, uh-huh. and because I was thinking Seattle, who could they possibly do from Seattle? And so I went and looked, and when I saw his name, I go, I think I know who that is. And I had to look him up to make sure I knew who he was. I, I do, um, but yeah, I mean, he is in a lot of things, but nothing that I would put against you not knowing at all. So I truly have never heard of him. Yeah, I mean he, he's he's pretty funny. He's pretty good. Um, is he? That's the key to being a comedian. Absolutely. The things I know him in very few, but he's in the Bear, which is a, a series on yeah. uh, FX that's very popular. He was in Community, which was a very popular um, sitcom. So far, I'm three for three. Never heard of Joel McHale. Uh-huh. Never heard of Bear. Never uh-huh. heard of Community. He, there's a new show on Fox called Animal Control, where he's the main four for uh, four. Main character in that I've seen one episode of and thought it was all right. He's in uh, Spider Man, I think. I don't know. I'm just looking through. His five thing. for five. He's in Spy Kids, which was one of my favorite Six movies growing up. But I don't know who, who or what he does in Spy Kids. This isn't on Jack. This is on me. Uh, uh, I don't. I mean, there's not much on here that I really know. I, I'm sure. I don't know. I. But he is funny. I think he's pretty funny. Very I, critical to being a comedian. That, being funny. I mean, that's huge. He kind went. Of, Kind of opening bid, isn't yeah. It? He went to Washington. Um, oh, he went to UW. He huh? went to UW. He's from Italy. Um, he was born in Rome. Um, and let's see. It, I, I wonder how long he lived in Rome. It looks like he stayed. No, he moved to Washington when he was young. He went to high school in Washington. So interesting. But he was born in Rome. So the more you know, I guess about yeah. Joel McHale. I'm sure he'll do great. I, I have no doubt about it. He's going to do great in his picks. You think he's a big college football fan? Who knows? I, I couldn't tell you one way or the other. You Maybe think he storms the field like Jack Harlow in the future? Probably not. Probably not. But it was it was electric. I'll tell you that, Brett. I saw him. He was he's getting students all pumped up, and then they all rushed the field. Together. All right, we really go generational now with the news Uh-oh. today of Dallas Cowboys legend Walt Garrison at 79 passing away. Do you have any idea what his big ad was in the seventies, Brett? I'd I'd I'd, I'd prefer to, to plead the fifth on this one. If if I gave you options, option A, beer. Okay. B, 
tobacco. Okay. C, cars. Okay. D, home warranties. Okay, and what year was this? In the 70s. I'm going to go tobacco. B. Put a, put a little between your cheek and gum. That was it. <laughs> really? Was tagline oh man! Smokeless tobacco. Wow! What a what a time. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think you'd see many ads about that today. Played at Oklahoma State. No, no, no. no you could, not you, at all. Played at Oklahoma State was a good one-two punch with Dwayne Thomas and, and, and Calvin Hill a little bit before that. Uh, Don Perkins a little bit before that for the Cowboys had really good hands out of the backfield and in the Super Bowl five. Kind of the soup, the thirty minute uh-huh. that they put together, John Facenda voice. Right. He said uh, early in that game against the the Colts, it was kind of the blunder fest. He said Walt Garrison and Dwayne Thomas were running through the Colts like Texas Twisters. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> oh my goodness, that yeah. that that tickled me a little too hard. Yeah, uh, that's funny. Uh, no, I did see that news today. Very sad. Um, news this morning, but also speaking of the Cowboys, uh, I did also see uh, more sad news. Leighton Vanderash is on the IIR. Uh, we kind of is it, that for the year? Um, I don't know. I haven't had time today to to really look at I talked it. Talked about it earlier in the week. I, um, I'm, I'm afraid yeah. this one or for sure one more. He just mm-hmm. can't take anymore, and I don't know how they do it with the the legal exposure. Yeah, I, I mean it's tough. It's tough, but for him, I mean, and you brought up uh, Tua the other day when we were talking about it, and obviously with him being the quarterback, so far so good. Uh, so far so good this year, and, and obviously kind of. It's um, always so far so good until it's until, not so good. Until, exactly. But being a quarterback under a microscope, you know, everyone sees him every play and, and are really focusing on him. Um, you can get a little lost when you're a linebacker out there. But uh, yeah, I mean, uh, injuries just piling up for him. I don't know how you take year. the head and neck out of playing linebacker. That's a good point. You, you, it's hard to do. I know they're trying to teach it differently mm-hmm. and much more, much safer. And if we're going to keep football, we got we, we got to do it, and we. You know, we can't blow up over yeah. over targeting. They're right. going to call it absolutely. They're and they're doing it as much for the the player as 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 the to penalize. They're trying to help you, but one thing they're never going to call. They never call the crown of the helmet on that running back bucking it up in there. It's true. And you know, bowing through there, you know, splattering yeah. everybody. Lower that helmet. They and, never call and that. Get a couple more yards. No, they don't. Yeah, you know, out in out in a screen, they're not calling that. No, and I, I've heard. I mean, you, you're starting to hear a lot of commentators, especially ones that you know these these color coordinate uh, com- color commentators that used to be defensive players back in you know when they were playing in their playing days. You know, they're starting to talk Help about. Yeah, they're starting to talk about. This seems very one sided that the the defensive player is always getting called for this. And but if a, if a running back, if a wide receiver wants to lower their head and try to get a couple more yards, and, and nothing good, to tough it. Football. Exactly, yeah. it's tough football. Then so it's, Greg, it's Greg Olson thinks it's good tough football. Uh-huh. Rodney Harrison's going and rightly so. What, hey, what about us? Yeah, yeah. Why why are y'all getting to lower your heads in the the second? I mean, some of these. Yeah, and I Derek get it. Henry coming through yeah. there full speed. Well, and I and I get it too. I mean, we're trying to protect the players, and I think that is extremely important. That's the number one priority. We, we, we should sincerely yes. for injury. Yes, I'm afraid around the NFL, it is first and foremost for the next big class action. Yes, that that is very true. But you know, we're it seems like we're starting to get some of these calls are uh, especially for defensive players are a little questionable on if they're really targeting or not. Uh, and I get it; it's, it's a tricky, tricky thing to do, and, and a tricky thing to be able to, to find around football. I will really believe it's all about player safety when we reduce a game. 
Yeah. From That's, from uh, junior yeah. high to the NFL, when junior high, instead of six, we play five. Mm-hmm. Ninth grade, instead of nine, we play eight. High school, we cut out a layer of these playoffs, mm-hmm. and we play nine regular season. College back to 11. In mm-hmm. NFL, 17. We tried it. We're going back to 16. Yeah, None of that's that. happening. No, we're going the opposite direction, Brett. Oh, oh, yeah. More the merrier. And, and in the CPA, the league can add the 18th without any player approval. Which is interesting. They, they could add, they could add twenty five games, you know, Brett, but they're not going to. Some would say uh, they might have known what they were doing when they when they put that together. Yeah, they usually do. <laughs> and, and, and sadly, for so many people, yeah. uh, all of us, there's just not anything else on earth I can, mm-hmm. I can do making that kind of money. And you kind of <laughs> no. got me where you want me. You sure do. And, and I, I, I want to do this. I want to live. I want to take my swing at this life. Mm-hmm. And you're going to stay a billionaire. And yep. I want to try to get mine. Yep. Nope. You're you're right about that. So uh, you know, it's it, it is interesting though to kind of see, especially like I said, with a lot more of these defensive players that are now in the booth, kind of bringing that issue up of hey, you know, it seems to be pretty one sided here. But let's go ahead and get to our final break of the day. And when we come back, we'll wrap up today's show. We'll talk about crunch time. Broadcasting from the Family Leisure Studio, we are Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now back to Sports Time on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by Hewlett & Dunn Boot & Jean Company in Collierville. Here once again are Brett Norsworthy and Bryant Dacus. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito, so good. Double the steak with nacho cheese sauce, seasoned rice, red strips, sour cream, and the three cheese blend wrapped inside a warm flour tortilla with even more three cheese blend grilled on the top. The Double Steak Grilled Cheese Burrito, it hits the spot now at Taco Bell. And at Taco Bell, when they say they are feeding people's lives with unexpected good, they mean it. Bold food you can't get anywhere else. Well, Brett, what I learned today is that John Morant's suspension that was appealed will not be shortened, the NBA put out yesterday. I don't think anybody really assumed it was going to be shortened, but you had, you had, yeah, you had to take a shot at it, see what you could get, if you could maybe get a couple of games knocked off, mm-hmm. uh, if anything. It's going to be 25. It's going to be 25. We now know that as a fact. I was actually surprised. I completely forgot that they had appealed it um, back when it first was released, but it won't be any shorter. I think they have to. And so I think I have no problem with them doing it. I just did not really see any way that they would have shortened it. So 25 games for job. It's not going to be any shorter. It's not going to be any longer. 25 games. We know when he'll be back. It sounds like if you take... Um, what Taylor Jenkins has been saying with him practicing with what they're going to do to kind of make sure he's ready for when he comes back. It doesn't sound like we're going to get to that 25th game and then need a couple of games for him to get ran back up. It sounds like 20, game 26, he's going to be ready to ride. Right, I've said it, and I want it. 
the best job around, Morant is yep. ahead. Absolutely. We're gonna we're gonna get the best job. We've had a really good job, Morant. Yeah, a really good. We're one. gonna get the best. What I learned: the Dodgers' 2020-60 game COVID bubble title gets more marginalized by every season that they fail in the postseason. It diminishes what they did that year. Baseball handled that so poorly that year. Baseball did the bare minimum to have a season in COVID. At least uh, Adam Silver and football, college and pro, at least they fought for their product. They fought for their season. Baseball didn't. Just slapped a stamp on it, Uh mailed it in. The 60-gamer, it was a joke. The bubble uh, playoffs was a joke. And that's all the Dodgers have to show for mm-hmm. since 1988. Yeah, you're, you're right about that. What I could have done without uh, is Rich Rodriguez, a guy that we love keeping up with. We've loved what he's done this year with Jacksonville State. But the other night, after Last a night. loss to Liberty. Or was it Tuesday? It was Tuesday. Tuesday, yeah. Tuesday night after a loss to Liberty in his post-game press conference. I don't know exactly what the question was, but it was something about the loss to, to Liberty. And his response was something like, well, what's their athletic budget? And somebody looked it up. One of the reporters looked it up and Liberty? and told him the answer. And he said, is that just for football or is that all athletics? And they responded. You couldn't hear the response. And he goes, huh, okay. Well, I can I can tell you our, uh, our athletic department uh, budget isn't that big. And so, you know, uh, I think our budget needs to get a little bigger, you know, and then we'll start competing with these things. Hey, hey, Rich Rod, Rich Rod, Rich Rod. You're doing, you're doing a great job this year with this team. Nobody expected this team to be this good. Let's not, let's not blame athletic budgets and start comparing athletic budgets because of loss. And a guy that once coached at Michigan. Yes, yes. Let's not do that. Bad You've done a great job, Rich. Could have done without this. Mets owner Steve Cohen says... Just for the fan entertainment experience. That's the only reason he's doing it. Oh, He's building a casino by City Field. <laughs> he says there's nothing to do there. We're just doing this for fan entertainment. Yeah. That's it. You know, just, just to come to the casino. I love it. Can you imagine those fans Jeez. after they're all oiled up? And a heartbreaking oh, loss, no. then spilling over oh, the casino. No. Hey, maybe maybe a great idea. I don't know if, if I that don't know. team next year is anything like this team. Uh, that uh, that casino can make a lot of money. Maybe. Well, where are you beaming tonight? Kansas City for mm. Kansas City versus Denver. How healthy is Travis Kelsey? We'll see. How healthy is Taylor Swift? We'll see. <laughs> How healthy is Mama Kelsey? We'll see. How bad are the Broncos? We'll see. Mm. Kansas City leads all time seventy one fifty five. They've only met one time in the postseason. That was in 1998. Quarterback uh, battle that day, John Elway versus Elvis Gerbach. Wow, man. I was hoping for an Elvis Presley. No, no. no, no. Not Elvis Presley. He did play quarterback for the Humes Tigers. Uh, that's correct. Um, but uh, I'm going to beam over to Nashville, Tennessee. Game two for both the Predators and the Kraken tonight at Bridgestone I really Arena. I would be there. Uh, well, but you just need the beaming yeah, machine. I just need the beaming machine, be and I will be there. But at the puck drop at 7 o'clock, I'm sure everybody listening is going, oh, hockey again. Please make it stop. <laughs> three three it won't days stop. of it is what I'm yeah, thinking. Three days <laughs> of kidding. it okay, and, right. and uh, months and months to go because uh, it's it's a marathon, not a sprint. Neil Brown saved his job. Now he's trying to get a new deal. 4-1 and one for West Virginia tonight at Houston. SMU at ECU. And the Phillies trying to inflict more pain again mm-hmm. on the Bravos. Also, don't forget about the Grizzlies tonight on the road against the Hawks uh, for their third preseason game. That game's going to be on NBA TV tonight. Don't know if it's going to be on Bally's or not. I just see here on ESPN they have uh, NBA TV there. So, um, one 
one way or the other, you'll be able to watch that game tonight. Maybe see who gets to play, who doesn't, if they um, run out more reserves out there tonight after kind of getting a good look at that starting group the last two uh, games. But it should be a good night, like we said, to open the show. Really, whatever you like, baseball, football, basketball, hockey, you can get pretty much all of it right now. And and tonight's going to be a good night for it. So enjoy your night. We'll talk to you again tomorrow afternoon.